All right, everybody. I have Pete Senna with me from Digital Surgeons. Digital Surgeons is a full-service creative agency, digital shop, three offices that I know of, uh, headquartered in New Haven, got an office in Manhattan, Vancouver. Um, Pete, how many people work for the organization? I think right now, um, I think we just cracked 40 last week with the the new person that just joined on. Um, I'm having a hard time these days keeping track of it because what we've found is that um, as most companies, you know, we scale up and scale down as needed. Um, but right now, we, I think we just cracked the 40-person full-time employee mark. Well, last time we talked, you were around 30-ish. So that's some very fast growth. And that's what we were talking about when we were visiting before was you were, that was one of the problems you were dealing with was handling that level of growth. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a blessing and a curse in some ways. And it's, it's gotten me to really look back at growth. And uh, again, I apologize for sounding so hoarse today. Um, too many planes, trains, and automobiles. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't usually sound like a prepubescent 12-year-old. <laughs> well, the reason, uh, the reason we're talking today, you've agreed to visit with me. Uh, you've got a busy schedule and you're taking time out of it. I appreciate it. Um, we're talking because uh, a few months ago, we ran into each other at a conference and we're having dinner and we started talking and um, one of the things that you conveyed to me was that um, one of the things you don't seem to worry about as far as my point of view is concerned was you don't worry about generating more work for your company. Um, I, I mean, you got a big team and you got a lot of mouths to feed, you got a lot of overhead, you have offices, you have a lot of obligations. You don't seem to worry about um, if we hit a slow cycle, how do we ramp up uh, some more work? And that's different, in my opinion. For most of the people I know and interact with, and certainly me, um, I don't have that sense of confidence and mastery of that part of being a business person. Um, and, and personally, I feel comfortable with all the other aspects of running a business. I've been doing it for years. Because we run a word-of-mouth type company, I've been free to um, neglect the marketing and lead generation and sales side of m my own person uh, as a businessman and also as a company. So what I want to do is do a series of podcasts where I talk to people and get a handle on marketing uh, and lead generation and own it and stop fearing it. So on behalf of me and other people who are like me, who are not like you, <laughs> I want to ask you some questions about What's the overview? Like, what's the terrain look like in, in this modern era? What do we need to be thinking about when we're thinking about marketing a digital agency um, and sustaining it and growing it? Um, so with that in mind, do you have any sort of overview thoughts you can talk to me about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think, um, well, first, I'm honored to be the first person to kick this off. Um, I think just from the having a lot of respect for you and what you've built at SoulSpace, um, even before you and I actually, you know, had the opportunity to, to meet and get to know each other. I mean, I always saw you as that, you know, charming guy in the suit uh, at all the different conferences and, and never really thought to have a conversation. And it's funny, you know, you're more down to earth and and lighthearted than some of the, the, the people that I'm used to talking to at these conferences, you know, that, that are in a t-shirt and jeans. So that was funny. Never judge a book by its cover. But I think, <laughs> you know, I'm I am absolutely always worried about where the next paycheck, where the next gig is coming from. I think that, um, and sometimes I, I, you know, you and I were discussing this with, with Matt Weinberg from Vector Media Group, you know, sometimes we almost doubt ourselves so much, you know, it, it sort of keeps us up at night. So I definitely think that um, what I've done to hopefully mitigate some of those concerns is, is I've diversified our business into retainer work and project work. And I think that a diversification is really important because I've I've been a part of or known different friends or colleagues that have swayed too heavily in one direction, and when they've gone too heavy retainer, you know, um, losing a client sometimes, you know, if they've got one big client, it, you can end up like that bad season of Mad Men where when they lost uh, their their lucky strike client and they were you know on the verge of of destruction as a company and I think that um, that's scary and I never wanted to be that so um, early on we made the decision to really diversify the number of accounts that we work on now I will say with confidence that 
in many cases, that strategy can bite you in the butt because if you if you spread yourself too thin or you spread your people too thin, um, and the work's not feeling meaningful for whatever reason, it's monotonous or it's repetitive or um, maybe it's just not aligning to people's core passions and strengths. I think in some cases you 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 then worry about are your people happy and. We're in the people business, right? We do business with people. You know, our number one asset as any company is our people. So, um, you know, I value them like my family. We're a family here, even though we're 40 people. Um, I know everybody's dog's name and what they do. And I think that that culture and, and the values that we share is something special. But getting back to your original point here, which is sort of how do we do it, it's diversification between projects and retainers. And I think that how you staff your teams in such a way where you diversify, you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And um, when I was talking with you, part of the confidence that you might have gotten was that, much like you, word of mouth is incredibly important. So making sure that everything you promise to people, you deliver on, um, and you go above and beyond is really, really important. Um, you know, people don't like to feel nickel and dimed, and if you deliver at the end of the day on the experience that you promise them, um, word of mouth as it has been for you for you know almost 20 years at this point um and now at this point a little over 10 for us um continues to do well for you now in terms of project-based work um and getting to the root of this conversation which is about how do we generate leads in marketing you know the one thing that i would say i would give a piece of advice to people on early is understand the kind of work you want to do um I think that there's always going to be the shiny objects and the shiny new work that people want to do. And then there's going to be sort of the bread and butter work. And I think diversifying between that and making sure that you're prioritizing, that's really important. I've watched a lot of firms that only want to do a certain kind of work. They only want to work in a certain platform or they only want to do a certain type of work. Um, they want to throw maintenance out the window because that stuff's, you know, who wants to do maintenance work or QC or, or just feature updates. We always want to do new builds. That, that decision to diversify both between new builds and, and sub- existing support after you build it for someone, whether it be a website, an app, whatever it is, is incredibly, incredibly important. Because if you can create long-term sustainable value for your clients, whether that be project work, retainer work, or, or the occasional getting that phone call when they have a need, being that go-to resource to help them solve their business problems, you're going to be able to sustain long-term work. And obviously, if you can, at a reasonable degree and cost, offer them you know, updates or something, you know where all the bodies are buried. You know the code base, you know the workflow, you know the, the caveats that exist or the quirks with any um, of these businesses that you're working with. So I think that's really important to, to notify and be aware of. Now, when I think about lead generation, again, it comes back down to what kind of work do you want to do? Um, I think understanding, and I'll, I'll sort of get kind of specific, obviously. I'm guessing some of the folks that are going to hear this are going to be probably in our kind of EE Laravel craft world, if I had a guess, Mitchell? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So I'll get, I'll get a little bit more specific because I realize that that could have been vague and it's, it's probably helpful to get to specifics. I think, <coughs> excuse me, um, understanding the kind of work you want dictates the way in which you can go about getting it. So first and foremost, if you want to be an add-on developer, um, that whether it be for Expression Engine or Craft or any third-party um product or ecosystem, I think understanding this is the kind of work you want to do. You want to create add-ons and support those add-ons and you want to do it in a specific technology. Understanding the trend and where things are going, you know, lately we're seeing a big growth in craft. You know, I just had the pleasure of having a conversation recently with Brandon and we're starting to diversify what CMSs we use um, just based on, you know, where the world's going, wanting to make sure that we are technology agnostic. We're not loyal to any one particular platform. We're loyal to open source as a medium, and however we can use a combination of open source and license-based technologies to deliver for our clients, we will. If you're an add-on developer, you want to make sure you're talking a lot about that. You are being seen as the expert in that. So what that means is making sure that you're prominent in the different communities. You know, you're answering questions on Quora and Stack Overflow being where these communities are and making sure that you are the expert in that one given area is going to be really important for lead generation. A really good example of that is when you start thinking about the content that you're putting out, whether it be blog articles or interviews like we're doing right now, understanding and putting a stake in the ground as to what you want to focus on is a really good way to start to pick up work in that area. I think that in 
in the web development world, there's so many different facets, there's so many different technologies. You, know, you have some people who are expert designers or front-end coders. Some are primarily back-end or add-on developers or module developers. Understanding the kind of work you want, making sure that you're putting forward that face and not misrepresenting yourself will ensure that you start to have those economies of scale. Obviously, if you build add-ons all the time, you have a go-to way of doing that. You can work faster and repurpose previous code or IP that you have in a way that helps people accomplish their goals. Um, I think in terms of lead generation, word of mouth is always going to be your best friend. I think being at the conferences, understanding where the community is going. I made a distinction about seven years ago to say to myself, I don't look at quote-unquote competitors the same way that businesses do. I look at competitors as potential partners. Um, understanding my expertise and these other competitors' expertise, what's the type of work that we want to do? Um, we run the gamut at Digital Surgeons. You know, we are, like I said, a full-service agency. Um, we do a lot of technology work, but we're not a quote-unquote development firm. So what that allows us to do is partner with development-heavy firms that don't necessarily have design it's because we speak both languages or partner with design-heavy firms that don't have technology. I think partnerships is really important. And when you think about word of mouth, word of mouth is one of the first and most original forms of partnerships. So being able to... Um, justify the fact that you've done great work, you've got someone that you can point to that'll be that testimonial or, or offer that up to you. Um, but partnerships are important. I think people sometimes want to just build websites and you know, do SEO or some particular tactic or paid search and just drive a bunch of traffic. The way in which people buy these days, people buy based on trust. And trust cannot be fully ascertained just by you know, doing some lead generation on a website. I think that understanding how people search for craft or expression engine, where they're going to. So are they going direct to Ellis Lab or Craft or to Laravel's people? And, and as a distribution channel, understanding, okay, who are the partners who are doing this well? Um, I think understanding that's really, really important, depending on where you're at in your life cycle. So obviously, Mitchell, you have been respected for a very long time based on some of the great add-ons you've put out there. So when you think about the cream of the crop in the expression engine community, you know, no one, anybody who has done any bit of homework is going to understand that you guys make quality add-ons. And because of that, you have a long-listing track record of some great clients, and that in itself is one great way to be trusted. You know, you and I talked a little bit about your website, and I asked you the question of, well, what kind of work do you want to do? You know, when I think about SoulSpace, you're both a product company and a service company, and I think that understanding and messaging that sort of leading with why one of my favorite things to tell people is um, I'm heavily inspired by a guy by the name of Simon Sinek. And Simon Sinek, he's, he's a motivational speaker, but he, um, he wrote the book of why and um, why, why leaders, I think, why, why leaders eat last or something like, of that sort. But he has this great TED talk where he talks about this concept called the golden circle. And I tell everybody I talk to about it because I think it's so, it's, it can work for your personal life, your business life. And let's just start with the, the example of soul space. So in soul space, you have, this business that is a product-based business that understands Expression Engine in and out, and now you're trying to diversify. You're, you're trying to offer Laravel and, and other more modern forms of PHP frameworks. And I think that what that means is understanding what are all the core services that you offer and then leading with that. Why should I choose SoulSpace? Well, you've been a, you're one of the first people back, you know, back in P-Machine to do these types of things. You understood and understand how to leverage and extend these platforms. That's a story. That why soul space is more important than, hey, we offer all these different fragmented services. I think that leading with why someone should choose you and making sure that you have a high amount of visibility for that. And when I get into visibility, I'll talk about, well, where are people looking for? Are they searching online? Are they going to Ellis Lab? Are you featured as a partner? Um, are they going on Twitter or LinkedIn? I think that making sure that you're leading, not with the right keywords, but with the right story, I think is really, really important. Um, lead generation in most, most formats comes from the people you already have. So I think in terms of generating new business, this is something I learned at like a local leads group You know, when we were, uh, it was just me and like two other employees, just asking for a referral, saying, hey, do you know of anybody else that's using open source technology like Laravel or PHP um, that might need some additional work? And, and oftentimes, if you get really specific with who you're trying to meet, You'll be surprised. Another example I give is 
doing some homework on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one of the most powerful tools that we've used in business development over the years. Um, understanding, okay, we're trying to do some marketing work for this particular client. Well, who's their marketing agency? Do I know anybody there um, that I can maybe forge a partnership with? Um, understanding those specifics, I think, in many cases helps to generate business. Wait, so, um, so you're saying you're using tools to target potential clients sometimes. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Okay. Without a doubt. This is one of the reasons why I want to, I want to tackle marketing. I, it's, it's great that we're word of mouth. It's great that people come and find us. But I, I'm interested in shaping the client profile. I'm interested in exerting more control over who our clients are. And I think if there's, at a minimum, more leads coming in than we can handle, then we can pick and choose. Even better is what you just described. If there's some method, some methodology where I can go out and target some clients that I'm really interested in working for, that's juicy. I want to do that. Sure. One of the great great book. I don't like to recommend books because some people are like, oh, that's just an easy easy solution. But I am a very avid reader. I like to study. Um, I like to study business. I like to study different different crafts or um, particular trades. So I'm always consuming new information. So when I recommend books, I don't take those recommendations lightly. It's not just hey, go read this book. One of my favorite favorite books. Um, that I would highly recommend that anybody that's in business reads is a book called Business Model Generation. Have you heard of it, Mitchell? No. Okay. Business Model Generation is was a game changer for, for how I could arrive at shared language at my company. I had a lot of great designers and developers, but they didn't understand business. And inherently what we're running here, guys, is a business, right? All of us. And I think that whether we're a freelancer or a 100-person company – Everyone that works there needs to understand how their impact affects businesses moving forward. You know, this is you're not just writing markup or template code. What you're doing is fundamentally changing how businesses communicate. So I think making that transition from sort of developer to technologist or from designer to creative entrepreneur, that shift is really important. And this book, Business Model Generation, they came up with this framework called the Business Model Canvas. And if you just do a search for Business Model Canvas, the first thing you'll find is probably a YouTube video. And there's this lovely British or Australian woman who sort of has a quick two-minute video and she explains what it is. And I think what the Business Model Canvas does is allows us to understand the key segments of who you are as a business. So who do you partner with? Um, what are your core offerings? What are your value benefits? Um, so by diving into that Business Model Canvas, and I would recommend doing this exercise for, for, for anyone. By doing one on your own business, you can quickly see where the gaps in your game are. And I think that what's nice about that book, it's heavily illustrated, so it's not just some heavy, you know, heavy book with a lot of, lot of text. It's, it's illustrated, there's pictures, it's very easy to understand. They map out some of the top businesses that we all follow, like you know, Apple and Nike and that sort of thing. Um, they just recently released a new book, which I love as well, which is called Value Proposition Design, which is really the follow-up to that book. But why I mention this book, and I don't want to take up too much time on the podcast, is because understanding what you do really well and understanding the things you don't want to do is really important. I think that what I found is a lot of businesses, at least myself, I fell victim to what I, to two sort of things. One is called the Prado Principle, which we all know, that sort of 80-20 rule. So I found that a couple of years ago, I was spending 80% of my time on only 20% of the clients that really mattered for us as a company. So yeah. inherently, the, th the things I was spending my time on were actually not helping build my business. Yeah. Um, and all that was doing inevitably was just resulting in additional stress for me. Yeah. So in your case, Mitchell, you specifically said to me, I love to code. I just want to put my headphones on, get left alone, and write to code. Um, being able to stay true to yourself and understand that software engineering is something that you're still very passionate about is something that I think needs to come out. And whether or not you hire other people in the functions of marketing or you know, leverage interns or existing staff in a way that helps you to stay focused on your passion, I think being a CEO that still codes is a powerful thing. And I think that in this day and age you know, where geek is the new chic, I think we as practicing entrepreneurs that actually still have the ability to do stuff, to crack open a, you know, a source code editor and actually still write a for loop <laughs> and, and, and iterate over something as opposed to just talking tech in a high level, I think is a powerful thing and I think it's something that should be expressed. I think that you know, the one thing that I realized, Mitchell, when meeting you is that you have this great persona. You know, you're like this funny down-to-earth dude from California that is always dressed up dapper. I mean, that in itself is a persona 
is an opportunity for you to build thought leadership in the form of blogging, you know, getting you out on Medium, sharing your point of view. Where do you think open source technology is going? You know, you've ran this business for almost 20 years. You know, what are some of the things you've learned in that? You know, some of your trials and tribulations. Putting a name and a face to Soul Space that's not just your logo, that's connected to a living, breathing person or people, I think is a really powerful way to build thought leadership. And I think thought leadership makes you human, and by humanizing yourself, you are more than just a website at that point. Now, going back to Business Model Canvas, I think that when you look at that, you can quickly realize what are the ways your business generates money. And, and sort of if you just, while we're talking, just do a Google search for Business Model Canvas, and you just click, you know, click images for a second I'll sort of, while we follow along, I think what's in that nice canvas is you can quickly see instantly who your key partners are. What are your key activities? So in key activities being, <coughs> I, I get add-on revenue sales from um, Expression Engine add-ons. Well, Expression Engine as a platform may or may not be growing at the pace it once was. So uh, perhaps now you're going to start generating craft modules because you like to build modules. Maybe you like building something once that a million people can use versus building a million things independent of one another. What is your value proposition? You know these platforms inside and out. You understand and have grown with the pains of Expression Engine. You've worked on some of the biggest Expression Engine sites that exist in terms of being able to debug them and make them work faster. You know, who are your customer relationships? You know, are you, what is your relationship with Craft, with Ellis Lab, with folks like Lowe that are other add-on add-on developers out there potentially? You know, who are your customer segments and your channels? Where do you make your money from? Is it add-on sales? Is it is it ad hoc consulting or support work? Sometimes what I've noticed with business with the business in general is where your money is coming from is not where your passion lies. And and sometimes that is a very big challenge. I also think cost structure is something that we that we as business people need to do a, a deeper dive into. Um, I think understanding that there may or may not be a going rate for particular services. If someone can go out and buy an add-on for $20, then why would they pay you to build that add-on from scratch for a few thousand? You know, There has to be a value discussion that is understood with the clients that you work with. And why I like to start with that building block and that business model canvas is that it forces everyone to think and act in a shared language. So we actually do these exercises with our clients when we're doing branding, for example. We'll go in, and my favorite two tools to use with a client is a, is a whiteboard and a Post-it note. I think that the, the kind of work you can do with clients, either over Skype or in person, preferably in person, I think is really powerful to do that. But I think that we as this collective community of web developers, designers, and marketers need to understand our businesses first and foremost before we can start diving into ta- to tactics like landing pages or, you know, a CRM or customer relationship management strategy, you know, I, I see businesses all too often. They're like, okay, I want to start doing lead generation. I'm going to get HubSpot or I'm going to get Salesforce. And I sort of I ask them, well, why? Why are you getting HubSpot? Why are you getting Salesforce? And a lot of times they don't really know why. They're like, well, I, that's the way to generate leads, right? And I sort of stop and ask, okay, well, if if you got the perfect lead right now. Who would that perfect lead be for you, Mitchell? So let's just sort of maybe role play for a second. If the phone rang when me and you hung up today and it was a company, who would that company be? And it doesn't matter if it's Nike or Apple or some small business, but what would they be asking you to do for them? I think that's a really important question. And depending on how you answer that, that some of the tactics and way in which I would go about talking to you about how you can go about generating leads would be very different. Yeah, the answer to the question when they call, hopefully they're asking, um, you know, we we need a something, and the something is, and the something in, in our case would be we want a client um, who, it, over the course of many years, will have a, a lot of fun web development problems to solve, and they want a relationship with someone who is um, who's going to be family. Um, they want someone who is uh, a team composed of really good problem solvers. First and foremost technology I don't care about. I want, a, I want a tasty problem. If I can solve somebody's problem by giving them a bag of chips and a six-pack of Coke, then great. I want to be the problem solver. I don't care about the technology as much. That's what animates my team. So as far as the role play is concerned, that's my answer. I want, I want that phone call to come in and say, from a client saying, we got some problems and we need a problem solver. So take me through a, a more tactical example of, of a type of problem that you would want to solve. So we had a um, 
uh, one of our larger clients uh, a year and a half ago came in and said, we've been trying to build this thing internally on Java for the last two years. And we had internal teams working on it across various time zones and for a lot of different reasons because we're a large organization, a lot of political problems, a lot of technical problems, we couldn't get the thing built. And the deadline is coming up. My little team here in, in the Bay Area, we're all going to lose our jobs unless we finish. So, Mitchell, can your team execute? And we came in and we developed a solution for that problem that fit in their timeline and their budget and, um, and launched. You know, we shipped. Um, so at a tactical level, that's an example. That's a story of the kind of relationship I like to have. That could have turned into a long-term relationship, but for business reasons and for reasons inside that organization, that, that's going to be concluding. That's kind of rare. Usually we're their partner for a long time after we do something like that. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is that software engineering <coughs> is so software engineering and smart technical project management are the two key strengths that you have in your business. So design or information architecture sounds like you're hoping someone comes to you with a with a, a complex technical problem that you can solve through technology. You're not interested in doing the design work per se, but rather they come to you with how they want something to work and you help them. Yeah. Perfect. I love so design. I, I love design. I miss the days of design. Uh, design gets me fired up, but no, it, it doesn't get, get me as excited as a technical problem or a problem that can be solved with a web development solution. Perfect. So here's the first thing I would say. The first thing I would say if I was you is I would have a, um, and this is something that you can do yourself. This, if, if you're slow and you have the time, this is something that you can potentially leverage maybe a more junior employee to do or potentially either hire a part-time or full-time person or even a paid intern potentially. What I would suggest doing is if software engineering and complex problem solving from a technology perspective are the kinds of things that you want to do, what I would do is find people that are coming against technology problems on a daily basis that you can help solve. So, you know, one of the, an example of a of a business that I think did that really well is the nerdery. What they are you familiar with them? Yeah. So what they did is they developed a and I only know this because I, I, I fell victim to um I, I was one of the people that they reached out to. Um but what they did is they developed a large list of any agencies that out there that we're doing expression engines. So in your case, you're a software developer, Mitchell. You've, you've got technical problem solving. What you can do is you can build an entire list of keywords like expression engine development, expression engine case study, uh, Laravel case study, and all those different words. You can scrape the internet and come back with a database, whether that be just simple Google searches or something that's more fun programmatically with some APIs. And you can find all these different agencies out there, or all these different companies or brands or companies, I said companies, sorry, that have launched things on those platforms. And I think what you can then do is weed out the people that only offer the design and that are not interested in the development or perhaps are just interested in an overflow partner, which over time, because of your track record and, and how great you handle your clients, they might decide, you know what? Our core strength is not in development. Mitchell's is. Now, obviously, Digital Surgeon doesn't fall into that category, but there's a lot of firms out there that are not interested in actually doing the code or solving the technical problems. They, they would rather just hand the wireframes or the designs off to someone and have them implement it. Yeah. So in a case like that, a really good way for you to quickly generate leads is find people that already have the business that you want. Now, granted, that's a short-term solution. I think a long-term blue-sky solution for you is to identify and get in front of people that have a need or a want for your services so that you can build a direct-to-client relationship. Yeah. You know, working through partners has its pros and cons. We've all been, we've all been uh, in situations where we have great partnerships, and then we've been in situations where we have bad partnerships. And I think that inevitably that comes down to three things. One, making sure who you're working with is, are ethical. Um, I think that's really important. Understanding the people you're working with and, and why they exist is important. Um, if they are ethical, and let's just pretend that they are, um, then understanding... How are you going to communicate with them and the client and making sure that the right people are at the table, you know, whether that's a transparent partnership or a white label is to be decided by the people that contract you. But I think that right now there's a really good 
way for you guys to go out and connect with these people. And that's that would I, I hate the term low hanging fruit because it's like such a marketing buzzword. But there are when I say low hanging fruit, I mean there are simple, quick things to do right now. I know for a fact there are a multitude of people that do not have the bandwidth right now to do some of the things that your team has to do. I think understanding what those things are and talking about it in a way that is exciting to you. So, for example, complex API integrations. You know, um, we know that in many people right now need to integrate with social media, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Pinterest um, or Google Maps. Understanding sites like Programmable Web that have a list of APIs, being able to go and list those out and start blogging about that and maybe sending the occasional you know, email to certain people or going to the conferences that they're going to, much like we met and we're now talking and, and looking for ways to work for both our businesses together, I think that's a really good first step as to how to do that. But that's why, if you remember, why I started by saying generate that business model canvas because you need to understand you're not interested in the design work or the information architecture work. And I think what you need to do as a business owner is be disciplined when, when some of that work comes in and that person does not have a creative agency. At that point, you get the ability to be the problem solver. You can say, well, listen, we specialize in software engineering, custom application development. We solve problems with technology. We know a great couple of partners we'd be happy to introduce you to that, that depending on your criteria, can do the design. But if you don't have the design, you know, you'd be better off not taking that on yourself and just being transparent about it. I think yeah. that we've all done it, right? We've we've said yes to a client because we needed the money, and we've done something that we that in many cases we might not be experts in. And I think that a lot of times the client gets hurt because of it. You get hurt because of it. So being transparent with where your passions and your expertise fall, I think, are important. Obviously, you already follow that practice, but for some of the listeners that might have. Um, been new to the process. That's something that I would say is a really big thing to do. I think one of the most consistent things I've been hearing when I've asked people the questions that I'm asking you today about, you know, how do you market your yourself, your business, uh, and e- even separating the question from how do you market a digital agency? How do you market a shoe store? How do you market a grocery store? How do you market, a, uh, you know, a limousine company? Um, the consistent answer I'm getting back the authentic and real answers I'm getting back are very much like what you're saying. It's the first step is an and this is an exercise in self analysis. Um, and I find that really interesting. It's 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 engaging that the marketing exercise I'm about to undergo this year is one where I have to do some psychological work on myself and my company. Um, that surprises me. It's a little scary, um, a little daunting. It's um, it means that the payoff is going to take a lot longer to reach, but it's going to be real and sustainable. So I've been surprised to hear that, um, but your your story is very much consistent with what I've heard from other people on this point. Absolutely. No, it's, it's good to hear that. I mean, for sure. I think with anything, marketing is just communication, right? It's communication codified in, in some way, shape, or form. And I think that I don't say that to be vague or or to you know, try to say an answer that sounds smart, but I, I think what it comes down to is whether I'm marketing a limousine, a protein bar, or a bo- you know, a bottle of uh, a water bottle, what I need to understand is what is the behavior change right now that I need to make that's going to get me what I need. So for example, you have to ask yourself the question, well, where are people looking for software development companies? They're looking on the internet. You know, they're searching for particular things. They're looking for case studies. You know, so for example, if if you're an expert, if you want to be an expert in front end development, you want to go to where people are talking about front end development a lot. So being able to, you know, have some creative things that are out there with some good code on GitHub or on CodePen um, or CoderWall, some of these sites. You know, again, being at the crux of where that community exists, I think, is really important. Because if you're a limousine company, well, and you want to get new customers. You have to ask yourself, well, who's my customer? Is it businesses that I'm going to offer ongoing livery services for? Or is it individual people going to the airport? Do I want to be known as an airport-run company um, logistically? Or am I going to make more money? Or is it better suited for me to just do, um, you know, uh, let's say, for example, shuttling people back and forth you know, 
to their homes or places of work. I think understanding those things is important because otherwise, if you don't have a value proposition that makes sense, getting back to that business model canvas, you are going to be trumped by services like Uber that literally a simple application, you just push a button and now all of a sudden you know, you can't compete with them on a pricing model or on a value model. So I think that in your case, understanding the types of clients you want to work with, the types of work you've done and can speak to, now you can start being at the conferences where people are making these decisions. You can start following them on Twitter and open and dialoguing with them on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, but I think that requires an exercise in, in really looking in the mirror and understanding what is it that you can do really, really well that maybe there's some other people that can do it, but what's the one thing or the five things that you do 40, 50, 60% better than, than other people? Um, and I think that understanding that track record is, is how you go about getting that. I think in your case, Mitchell, understanding who some of your key partners will be, I think, is, is something that will allow you to pick up clients pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of great agencies out there. There's a lot of bad agencies out there that just want to screw you. But I think there's some really great partners out there that you can find that are willing to go to the table with you, have fair and economical scopes for everyone that, that works for both parties. But that's a good place to start. I mean, I also think, too, if you're an add-on developer, right? So we know that right now, what's what's the one add-on marketplace that is set to explode that's, that hasn't exploded yet? It's craft, yeah. right? So how do you start putting out great craft add-ons the same way that you, you know, again, do you do you port over all those great modules you did for Expression Engine into, into craft modules? Maybe. I mean, I'm not saying that's, I, I don't like to tell people what they should do because, you know, I don't like people to tell me what I should do, but offering suggestions potentially. Um, it sounds to me, though, that one of the things that can be beneficial to look at that business model kid for, for you, Mitchell, is like, hey, if I'm an add-on developer, maybe I can generate enough sustainable revenue um, with whether it be uh, craft or WordPress or whatever to, to at least launch enough of those modules. But you also want to make sure you don't spread yourself too thin because what you said to me just about 10 minutes ago maybe more at this point, is, hey, I'm looking to, to solve complex software problems. So what that says to me is you want to be more of a solutions architect or software engineering firm than you do as one selling add-ons. Because as we know, if you sell add-ons, the number one thing that comes with that is is you have to make sure that you have enough support baked into it. And I think that even just talking to like Brad Parscale, for example, you know, who's who's done really well for himself offering website development solutions as well as add-ons, you got to be prepared to be able to have that support model and in many cases understanding the kind of work you want to do. Maybe you want you know, to do 100 very small websites a year or maybe you want to do just a couple. You know, maybe you want to be <coughs> on retainer as that sort of value add. You know, maybe, maybe you are, you're the sort of CTO that companies can't afford to hire. You know, and they and they have you for a couple hours a month to be able to to support you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a maintenance developer for them. But I think that understanding and painting them a value proposition that makes sense for them is the way that you're going to go about getting that. And you know, once you know what, what that is, generating is. One of the things you've said, you've sort of structured the conversation around um, starting your marketing process with asking yourself, who who am I, and and what do I want to do, what do I want to be. But one of the things I routinely tell people who I have conversations with who are sort of getting started in this business is that um, it's really important as you're getting started or perhaps even making a major change in your business and pivoting or steering into a different direction is listen to the marketplace. Find some way to hear what the marketplace is saying. And usually for me, that's listening to clients who are coming and saying, hey, do you guys do a certain so-and-so thing? Like yesterday I was asked... How deep is your experience in media streaming? And my answer was zero. Um, but I, I have found, and I give the advice, that clients will tell you what they need you to be. At the moment, clients are not telling me that they need Soul Space to be an expression engine specialist. That's gone. That's over now. People are not asking for that anymore. Um, and I need to listen to what the market is asking for. So what I'm asking you right now is... sure. It isn't there attention? Isn't there an interplay between me asking myself what do I want to be and allowing the market to tell me what it needs me to be and make a decision about, oh, that sounds interesting. I think I would actually like to be that thing. 
let me say yes to this job and take it and find some way to adapt and become that thing. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. I think that there's an easy way to pick up work. In some cases, you know, <coughs> we're in the creative business, we're often asked to do spec work. And I hate spec work. I, I don't believe in it. I think it's the one, you know, asking someone to work for free, I think, is a really bad thing to do. But I've actually been able to, by offering spec work, especially if, you, if I said, hey, Mitchell, uh, what, how much work have you guys done in custom streaming technology? And you said, well, honestly, none. But you know what? Let me, let me talk to somebody I know that's an expert in it. Let me get a quote for you from them based on your requirements. And let's put together your requirements. And let's just say, I'll just use easy math. Let's say it's going to be $5,000 to implement some feature or something, right? And you say, listen, client, you've got a pretty reasonable timetable. You know, if we engage this partner by this time and you pay them $5,000, they're going to be able to deliver against that. Clearly, when this thing's done, you're going to need additional ongoing work for it. If I was able to paint you a picture and be able to tackle that $5,000 feature for you at a much more heavily discounted rate, would you be willing to give me a shot? I have all the expertise to be able to do these different things. I think I can do this for you at a more reasonable rate. Understanding that the caveat is once I prove to you that I can deliver at the same quality that these other vendors are, it's not going to be half off the next time. That I think I've been a victim to doing it. You know, giving people deals sometimes can really hurt you because once you give somebody a deal, if, if you go to the store and you buy a coffee and it costs you a dollar, every time you go back to the coffee store, you're expecting it for a dollar. So I think expectation, we as you know, stewards of our own community need to make sure that we don't actually undercut each other because the second that we do, then we create a a problem with the economics of supply and demand. I think supply and demand, and I hated economics in college. It's so funny. I, I just absolutely hated it. But it's such an important thing to understand. When we're talking about marketing, it's not always just marketing for what people are asking for, but it's also demand generation. I think that we as a community generated a lot of demand for expression we then now we're generating demand for craft i think that businesses primarily don't care what you're building something in as long as it answers their question you know we have people asking for wordpress because and we, we don't like to, to do wordpress because of a lot of reasons but people ask for wordpress and a lot of times when we talk to our clients we say well, why do you want wordpress if they answered well because i want a really good blog i think that that would be a really good use for WordPress. But if they say, well, I just want a CMS-capable uh, website, well, why'd you, why'd you choose WordPress? Asking them that why, going back to that, that sort of golden circle, well, why, 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 what you quickly realize is the reason they asked for WordPress is because that's what they knew about. And they're like, oh, well, I thought it's free. You know, it's, it's a free tool, right? Once you get into that dialogue and understand what their true need are, whether you're building it in Node.js, PHP, Ruby on Rails, doesn't matter to them as long as the solution you give them is something that, A, they know that if, they, if you died tomorrow or, or you uh, couldn't service them or you had a falling out, they know that there's a good amount of people out there that can do it in that particular technology. And I think we all agree PHP and JavaScript and CSS are three technologies that I don't think any of us are in any threat of going anywhere anytime soon. I think yeah. now more than ever, open source is continuing to thrive I think that JavaScript is going to continue to grow. And what that means is for marketers, not, not as technologists, but as marketers, understanding and educating people on all the things they can do, just because you can do something in a technology doesn't mean you should do it in technology. And I think that I get back to that business model canvas. Okay, well, if you want to build media streaming tools and you've got a bunch of code that um, and media streaming is really exciting to you, well, who needs media streaming? You know, what types of organizations out there would, would do that, you know, and understanding how to go about reaching out to them, you know, finding someone who has a website or, or a solution that does not incorporate that and going to them and saying, hey, listen, have you thought about incorporating this type of media streaming? Here's why it's beneficial to you and would you like to have a conversation about it? In some cases, just having that conversation in itself, you know, for example, if I wanted to do media streaming, how would I go about trying to generate leads doing media streaming besides writing about it or doing some search and optimization or SEO for that term, what I would most likely do is I would identify what are the conferences, what are the meetups where people are talking about that technology, you know, media streaming or best practices for digital media. And what I would then do is go out and try to 
meet with people that are having this and demonstrate my expertise by giving away a little bit of free advice Yeah. to then say, listen, you know, at the end of the conversation, is what we talked about valuable for you? Yes. Well, let's, you know, let's connect when you have a real opportunity for that. The other thing, too, is I think a really great, really great way to get great marketing is write the book on X. And what I mean by that is if you want to be um, a nutritionist or, the, or a limo driver or a expression engine or craft developer, write the book on craft development. Because number one, if you write the book on it and you become the expert, it's a feather in your cap that you can then use as a case study. You can say to your clients, hey, listen, I know you have so many choices as to who I should use for craft, but I wrote the book, the most, most sold book on craft development. Well, how many craft sites have you built, Mitchell? Well, we've only done two, but two really, really big sites in craft. And there might be other people who have done more craft sites, but we are an expert in this technology. We're an expert in Laravel. We're an expert in open source technology frameworks. And by being able to be that expert and not that generalist, you then it's much more compelling to go with the expert than it is to go with the generalist. But the benefit of being a generalist in many cases is if you're seen as a technical problem solver that has a wide diversity of technology skill sets, in some cases you could be more appealing. And again, I go back to that business model canvas, understanding what you do, what you're really good at and understanding and getting down to that value prop exercise, which I think is one to do. And, and Mitchell, what I would say is sort of offline, um, I'm going to be at South by Southwest this year just because it's already planned. I'm, it's getting a little overcrowded for my liking. I'm going this year primarily because um, a couple of friends and colleagues and, and clients are going to be there. But if you do end up being there and you want to sit down, we can, you know, we can print this thing out and we can map it out. We can do it together. I'd be happy to do that with you offline, you know, just to, to help you get there because we, we've, we've found huge success with our business since we've done it. I like it. That sounds good. So with our remaining time, we're going to be brief, but l- let's just pretend that I've done the self-analysis. I've gotten my psychiatrist involved and all my friends and family and the team, and we've, we, have a, we have a business model canvas. We sure. filled out the, the, the blanks, and we feel satisfied with the shape of our um, of our uh, understanding of ourselves, at least for the next couple of years. Sure. You said, uh, now that you know who you are and you know who you want to work with, be where those people are. Uh, be where the action is. Be where the community is. In particular, in our realm, make sure you're in those communities where they exist online. Absolutely. Go to conferences. Uh, network. Use LinkedIn to reach out uh, to these people. Target some people that fit your profile that you want to work with. All right, so that's what I know so far. What else? What's the rest of the overview of the marketing tactics that we need to employ? Get your marketing material straight. So making sure that you've got buttoned up case studies so when someone does inquire for you, (coughs) making sure that you have case studies to speak to your core competencies. Making sure you lead with why. So is your website updated? Does it have the kind of work on there that you want to be known for, that you want to showcase expertise in? Does it have calls to action? Is it optimized in a way where someone has an easy-to-use contact form or phone number? Um, These sound rudimentary, but they're incredibly important because your website is your 24-7 sales tool. If, if If you're coming up when they're searching for you or for relevant terms, you know, if you're coming up when they're reading about reading blogs like Medium or if they're searching for things on Twitter, I think thought leadership is a really powerful way for new business. And I think that it is very time consuming, but demonstrating one's expertise, one's passion and ability to do a job can often result in actually getting that job. So I think that once you know where to be, you know, another one that you didn't mention is, um, you know, Q&A sites like Quora, right? Under- do a Google search for a question that someone might ask, you know, um, expression engine versus WordPress or you know, whatever the, the keyword might be. Find Quora sites where people are talking about it and answer the questions honestly. Don't don't push for a sale. Don't ask for it. Don't be you always want to be genuine because that's who you are is, is you want to be genuine, not spammy. Don't ask for a sale. Help provide someone value. Answer a question for them. Find meetups in the area that talk about particular technologies or particular solutions that you want to sit that you want to solve for people and actually going and doing that I think is really really a good way to generate leads and new business um, in many cases I think that I also like to be be very specific so when you're going on LinkedIn yeah that's all fine well and good but what are you searching for have you done your homework up front to understand 
that there are particular companies, like for example, uh, sites like Built With tell us really quickly what sites are built on. Now, obviously, Expression Engine doesn't have as um, as simple of a footprint as, say, a site like WordPress, just because of the directory structure. And if you're smart, you're changing it anyway for security purposes. But my point is, it's very easy to identify what people are built on, whether it's an open source stack or a closed source stack. So doing the homework, understanding the companies and the websites that identify with, with who you want to do business with, finding out how to get in front of them is a really good way. I do not recommend spamming people. You know, These marketers, these agencies, these brands, they're getting millions of emails a week and a day. It's If I don't know who you are and you send me an email, I'm not going to answer you. So don't go about it that route. Um, I, I hate when people just reach out to me via email and just have a form letter. I like when people reach out to me and say, hey, Pete, you know, I've done some homework on you. I'll give you a good example. I just hired somebody the other day, and, and they they knew that I was the person that was going to be making the final decision because they asked it. They spoke to my hiring manager, and what they did is they, re- they just looked me up on Twitter, and they wrote me a really nice email, and it said, you know, Pete, I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, but I would love to meet you. Um, I looked up on Twitter. You know, I, I, I found this article that you wrote or this tweet that you put out about this technology really interesting. I would love the opportunity to talk, talk to you about my passions and how they could intersect and be a good fit for your company. Instantly, I took a meeting with that person because I was like, this is a person that did their homework, and I would say, do that same amount of homework for the people you want to work with. Yeah. You know, Find out who are the companies that are trying to solve the problems or haven't solved the problems that you want to solve for them, whether it be API integrations. Programmable web is one of my favorite things to do. If you want to demonstrate excellence in a particular category, make a mashup. You know, solve a hard technology problem and get it listed on programmable web or, or you know get it listed on like a best web gallery type of website you know these sites like web cream or smashing magazine these are things that like some of the marketing folks out there are, are on looking for demonstrated excellence i think that whenever you can demonstrate excellence it doesn't have to be for some shiny big brand name it could be a a small little brand that um, it could be that that small limo service that you just help build a solution where people can search for available registrations. You know, maybe you hook up to uh, their backend system and just display a more usable, useful interface where people can book online. I mean, that in itself, yeah, there's off-the-shelf stuff that does that, like a MindBody Online is a platform that does it, but maybe you can do it better. Maybe you can write a module once that you can sell to 20 different people. You know, maybe you maybe you solve a problem. I'm sure there's a lot of yoga places in California. They, you guys are a lot more calm and chill than we are back east. <laughs> but, you know... Maybe maybe you solve a problem for a yoga studio that's common. So yeah. you know, find an interesting business that and just talk to them. Call them up and say, "Hey, listen, you know, we're doing a survey right now of what are your, some of your biggest problems with your website." And just ask, and then you know, tabulate what those results are, and then build a solution that does it. So when someone's searching on Google for you know yoga website or whatever the hell the solution is, you are coming up for that solution. You've got an article, a POV, and a case study that speaks to it. I found that. That's one way that we get leads. And we get three to four leads a day right now through our website. And it's, it's really just by us going to meetup groups and leaving our materials there, you know, why digital surgeons, et cetera, and um, just asking honestly and, and genuinely for referrals from people. Um, I found is it, it feels spammy, but in some cases, if, if I'm hanging out with you and, we have, and you tell me about this great restaurant you just went to, I trust you. I believe in you. I'm going to go to that restaurant. So it's no different when you launch a great streaming solution for one of your clients and go, do you know of any other colleagues that are dealing with some streaming challenges? Yeah. Yes. Would you mind introducing me to them? I'd love to talk to them about some of their streaming problems. Yeah. Always be closing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, when you go to these meetups and you leave materials behind, what are you leaving behind? Well, that was juicy. What was that? In my case, in my role, I'm not doing that. Um, in my role, I'm I'm more about trying to find great people for our team. So I'm, I'm going to like you know either technology. We, we host a, a technology meetup here that's all about um, JavaScript, and um, we, we'll cover like new things. So in, in that case, we're just you know, me and my team are giving presentations on like how we do things. Um, I'll give you a good example. Through one of our technology meetups, we ended up actually closing a um, really healthy deal with a Fortune 50 company where one of the engineers that worked at that company uh, came to our meetup. I didn't even know where he was from. We got to know each other, you know, had a lot in common as people. And then two, three months down the road, he said, hey, I've got this really large project right now. Um, 
seems like you guys would hit it out of the park. You want to talk about it. So for me, I've actually found I'm not a salesperson by trade. I hate salespeople. I I think they're sharks. But sales is sales and marketing are two of the most important things that you can do to ensure your business stays alive. I found that instead of trying to sell to people, just try to help people understand what their solution is. Give them free advice, and a lot of times, if they trust you, just like I trusted you, Mitchell, when I first met you, um, they're going to stay in touch. And I think that's one of the big things I would say is just be human, and don't be afraid to ask for what you want. You know, don't just don't do it in a way that's sleazy. Just say, you know, helping people answer those questions. I think in many cases. So, what's on those juicy materials to answer your question? If the meetup's about a particular topic, so maybe I'm trying to. Um, bring in some business about wearable technology. I'm going to a meetup about wearable technology and in some cases maybe I'll put together an infographic or a you know top 10 things happening in wearable technology right now. And you know again, maybe I don't. Maybe it's just talking to people and saying smart stuff that aligns with their interests or beliefs and then being able to exchange a business card or follow up. Um, I don't like to be that sort of person who shows up and sort of leaves a brochure on the table. I think that's just really cheesy. Yeah. But I think in some cases, you know, maybe it's something as simple as you know, finding a local event that there's a lot of people that you want to get in front of. Maybe you sponsor the event. You know, um, maybe you provide uh, pens with your logo on it or some tchotchke. I know that sounds trivial, but in some cases, you know, it's a conversation starter if if it's done in an interesting way. Um, you know, one of the partners that we work with quite a bit are they're, they're a .NET partner. We don't offer. Um, we don't have a, a huge offering for .NET. We we do do a lot of .NET development. Um, some of which we'll do internally, some of which we'll external with transparent partners. One of the, the best partners that we work with on an ongoing basis, they sent me a water bottle, and that water bottle had their logo on it. And I just kept looking at that logo, kept looking at that logo, and then one day we had this need, and I reached out to them. Now, if they sent me a coaster or something I wouldn't use, I probably would throw it away or forget about it. But they actually sent me something of value that, that was you know making sure I'm drinking water every day. And I ended up reaching out to him one day and was like, hey, we got this project. You want to talk about it? Yeah. And I've worked with him now for three years. So The importance um, of networking is, has pervaded the entire conversation. And it touches – every time I talk marketing with someone, it's, it's all um, networking-centric, certainly in our industry. In our, our service-oriented industry uh, and businesses, the importance and power of networking is critical. Um, I had someone I had lunch with someone on Monday who was formerly a client and we were talking and she said, you know, Mitchell, we both have young kids and we don't have the free time in the evening or the weekends to go out and attend these social events where it's kind of low key, but it's a networking opportunity. We, we can't do it. So there she looks for other opportunities to network. Um, a lot of people listening to this are either going to say, um, I don't like to get up in front of people and shake hands with strangers and be outgoing. It's not my personality. It's not comfortable. Or I'm too busy with my home life to jump out there and do that. I would rather um, look after my kids and make less money. Any thoughts, parting thoughts on that point with respect to networking and how much time you need to dedicate to it? What about if you don't like it? What about if you don't have time for it? It's a great question. How I would answer it as succinctly as possible and if you've not learn that from talking to me. I am anything but succinct. When I, get <laughs> when I get passionate about a topic, I can go for hours for anybody that will listen to me. It's just because I love what I do so much. Um, for me, I'd say the one phrase that I heard from somebody a long time ago is that your network is your net worth. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a phrase that's pretty cliche at this point. But really for me, it's like, okay, well, why do you have to compromise with your family? You know, I, I was at a uh, 99U conference, which is by Behance. That obviously, Adobe owns them now. But um, Swiss Miss uh, is a popular. She owns uh, Tatley and has that Swiss Miss, very popular design blog. She was saying that she, she picked up a really big client at the park. I think that you don't have to compromise necessarily yeah. your values or your beliefs or your home life in, in chase of that almighty dollar. I mean, if, if you're... You know, going to the beach with your family, or, or you're in California, so you actually have beaches. Um, but you know, if you're going to the beach with your family, or going to an event, or maybe it's a a pottery event where you're learning about pottery. I just, I would say, just find people that are doing or interested in things that you're interested in, and just talk to them about it. You know, get to know people bef- before you get to know what they do for a living. And I think that people appreciate that genuine mentality. You know, I've gotten some great leads from my wife for from she just. You know, she knows how much I love what I do, so she tells her friends about it, and then, you know, inevitably we end up getting some leads that way. So I, I don't think you have to be this this loud sort of networker person. 
if you can believe it, Mitchell, I actually used to be really, really shy up until a couple of years ago. Um, I've just, you know, for me, I used to network on forums and IRC chat rooms, and, and I met a lot of my, my developers there, and um, I met a lot of engineers that worked at other companies there. I think that sometimes networking doesn't mean that you have to actually be in a room that's, you know, with a bunch of lawyers and accountants and salespeople. You know, that stuff's really sleazy, and it's not who me and you are, right? But if it's well, technology conferences are great ways to meet technologists. A lot of times they work at companies that need extra help. Yeah. You know, um, going to associations, meetups, going online, following Twitter communities or Stack Exchange or Quora communities, um, I think are really good ways to network. In terms of how much time to dedicate to that, Mitchell, I think that's, that is a, your return on leads should not be a metric that you're looking at for how much you network. I would say I would rather have one to two quality conversations with people at a conference than just going to a conference and walking up and going, hi, I'm Pete. Here's my business card. Hi, hi. I don't like that because no one wants to be talked to like that. But I think that I go to a lot of tech meetups. So there's the, there's this New York tech meetup. I think they're, they're, there's probably one in every state. You meet some really great people there. You know, If you find out who you want to do business with, find out potentially – where they are so you can go there and, and, you know, go to one event a month, maybe, you know, maybe start small or maybe, you know, maybe you, you don't believe in working outside of nine to five. You know, I tend to, my, my stance on work-life balance is a little bit different than some people's. I'm so passionate about what I do that I feel like my life and my job collide with one another in a way that is, is really interesting. Um, the other day, I'll give you a really strange anecdote. I was at Whole Foods standing in the line and I had my phone open, and I just built a custom app that hooks up to my house. It's basically a Spotify connects to my Hue lights, so it sort of changes the colors, and it's kind of a cool um, like mood light thing in my living room. It's it's just it's it's fun. I like it. It was a quick little thing I built just because I wanted to hack on some stuff, and, and I hadn't coded in a while. I'm in line at Whole Foods. I'm buying some. So again, we all got to go to the grocery store, right? And I got my phone open, and I've got I'm playing with this app, and the person behind me goes, "Hey, what's what app is that?" And I said, "Oh, it's, I actually created it from scratch." Like really started talking to him. It turns out that this person is actually a salesperson at a local audio video company who's looking for different ways to visualize audio video stuff. So that I said, look, I ended up having a great conversation. We exchanged information, and then I introduced him to my one of my salespeople, my business development guys here at DS. And now they're back and forth talking about how we can work together. So I wasn't out networking. I was literally just out doing what I love, which yeah. is you know playing with tech. In your case, it could be. You know, at the beach or whatever, or at the movies. Um, Have I just you heard think, the phrase uh, "luck surface area." You've heard that phrase yet? One more time. Luck surface area. No, that's that's I haven't. Tell me about yeah, that. It's, it's nice, isn't it? I mean, my brain starts spinning even when I hear it. Um, you remember Ben? He was uh, Ben Parazek was uh, at dinner with us. Uh, in a sure. conversation in passing, he says, "Hey, I heard this strange phrase. Somebody's blogging about something. Luck surface area." Uh, someone else on a podcast sort of coined the term when they were talking about marketing, and they were they were saying that um, a lot of our um, work is dependent on serendipity and on luck, or what it feels like luck. And it's when you are outwardly um, projecting the thing that you like to do, that you're passionate about. So you 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 put it out into the world, and the more you put it out, the more surface area there is for that luck to land on it. And that's what you just described. You wow. did something that was we'll passionate that. for you. You loved doing it. You did it. You would have done it no matter what. You would have done it if it was uh, fell down a deep hole and was never heard from again. But you were standing in line, looking at your thing. Luck surface area strikes. Yeah, I also think it's about energy, right? You seem. I was immediately gravitated to your energy. You know, not not the sort of you know sound creepy, but I just you just had a really positive vibe, and you sounded like somebody I wanted to talk to. And I think that. Maybe me and you are both shy, and we don't. We're not verbal. Maybe, maybe you know. I, I just star. I keep starring your repos on GitHub, and then me and you get into a back and forth discussion about you know, uh, ECMAScript, uh, you know, ES6 and JavaScript, and and how they're doing some really really interesting things with how they structure the code base. That can turn into a lifelong relationship. Some of the people that work here at Digital Surgeons, I met on forums, I met online, and I've developed these relationships across the world with. So yeah, this luck service area thing is really, really cool, Mitchell. I'm actually going to Google it as soon as we wrap up today. Um, Please feel free to sort of chop up this. I know in some cases I might have answered questions a little bit longer than you would have liked. It was was ideal time. You covered exactly what I wanted you to talk about. 
Um, and now I've got a lot of questions I can ask for the next series of people I talk to. Um, I just want to thank you for making time for this. I know you're busy. I know you don't feel well. Um, uh, you're, you're generous. I really appreciate your time, Pete. My absolute pleasure, Mitchell. And seriously, though, please re- reach out to me offline if you do find yourself potentially being able to be in Austin because I'm going to be there. And I would, you know, again, if you find yourself there, whether you're at the conference or not, um, always would lo- love to sort of find ourselves on the same coast because, I, you know, again, um, time is finite. But one of the things I would sort of close with back to marketing is <coughs> find that thing that you love, right? And, and again, I'm going to push that luck surface area thing. I, I might even uh, write a blog article about it, so thank you for the tip. Yeah. But in all, in all seriousness, I think that one of the biggest things that I learned as an entrepreneur in a, um, over time is really – Know what you know, what you know, know what you don't know, and know what you love, and do what you love. Because I think that right now, many of us didn't get into this industry because of money. We can certainly all become other professions that would probably make a lot more money than than we all make. I think it's not about the money; it's about the love for what we do and telling people what you love and demonstrating that expertise, whether it be a website, a blog, an email, a forum, whatever it is. Um, I think is going to be inherently a good way to generate leads moving forward. So I'm really excited to tune into the podcast. Definitely send me a link to it so I can subscribe and listen to it on my way to work in every day. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to it. I really appreciate um, you listening to me with my terrible, scratchy, (laughs) sick voice. It was great. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day, Mitchell. Thanks.